0: Today, I'm very excited to be talking to John Quinn, who's the CEO and co-founder of Exos Aerospace. Welcome to the show. How's it going?
1: It's going fantastic. Uh, Yourself?
0: I'm doing really well. It's another day talking to more founders about all interesting interesting things that they're working on. You know, I I couldn't be happier. And kind of with that, I'd love to dive into what you're working on. So for people that haven't heard of Exos Aerospace, what is it? What are you working on?
1: Oh, wow. So Exos is working on the future and i'll leave it kind of at that for a minute to ruminate but uh certainly appreciate you bringing us on today and what you're doing there matt
0: yeah i you know one of the things that i love about the podcast is everyone i try to bring on is 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 building different parts of the future right they they, they, they pick a problem they pick a segment they're like i i have a i have a idea um, to make you know something here more efficient or better or more innovative, and they make it happen. So you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear kind of what kind of future you're building. So for so for Exos, kind of walk me through what what is the the type of future you're building today? Before you get into the large vision, um, what's kind of the 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 average kind of kind of activities that you spend on you know as you work on Exos, you know, every day?
1: Yeah. So um, behind me in my picture, you see a guy putting a rocket engine together. And uh, we all think it's this massive, massive effort. And really at at large scales it is. However, at our scale, uh, this rocket engine is will be assembled in eight hours, Um, another eight hours. And we'll have that engine completely built um, and we'll be mounting it on the rocket. Um, So we're doing what SpaceX has done with reusability, what Blue Origin has done with reusability. And where they use 6,500 man teams and a 3,000 man team, uh, we we're flying reusable rockets under a FAA launch license with a team of under 20. So we do things a little different.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty powerful. Um, I think that to to start, this might be an obvious question, but I want to set the set the stage for the for the listeners. This concept of reusable rockets for people that aren't you know. In, in this industry that aren't in space. Can you kind of walk me through why if even focus on reusable rockets? What, why, you know, obviously it's a little harder to work on but there might be a ton of benefits to building these. Why did you kind of decide to to start working on these, these kinds of, this kind of technology?
1: Yeah, so there's, well, obviously it was uh, I got a God appointment that all this came together at the right time and all that. However, let me ask you the last time you went to the grocery store, what'd you do with your car keys when you got there?
0: What did I do with my car keys? I took them, I, I, I took the car keys, I put them in my pocket and I went to the grocery store.
1: <laughs> okay. So why when we've recognized reusability for our cars, how come we take a rocket that's 10,000 times more expensive than your car and we just throw it away when we get to space? That's one of the things that drove us, right? <laughs> makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great analogy, and it's almost it's so it's almost so simple, but it doesn't need to be complicated, right? It's uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, what? So t- what? So you know, if we go into a world where, let's say, before, let's say we we had a world where we got rid of cars every time we use them, right? That would be super inefficient. It would be um, very expensive. And this, you know, arguably is like the world that the space industry, you know, has lived in for a while because, you know, because that's what we've had at hand. But now, you know, companies like yours are building reusable rockets. I want to kind of go into, um, you know, I have a few questions, but the first one is why, like tell me about the origin story. Like, you know, I know why it's important, but why you why did you decide to build this you know tell me about the early days of deciding to get into to working on, on on this type of technology
1: yeah so that was a little bit of the alignment i talked about i had a dream when i was serving in the silent service um, that dream was to develop a product that would spoof enemy combatants while my submarine took out the target that was facing us that you know could offer us a life or death situation and my captain let me deploy some technology from the submarine's 3 inch launcher Now this really isn't done. We did it during war games um, and it was very successful. So flash forward 25 years and the electronics had caught up with my idea because when I built this device the electronics would fill a room and I had a little small three inch device. And uh, as that project concluded there's this gentleman named John Carmack and he had a company called Armadillo Aerospace where he had put together a team and they had built amazing technologies, sold some of them from NASA in the form of a lunar lander and things like that. But he put the company into hibernation mode as his career led him away from developing what I call next gen space hardware that was focused on reusability. And I saw a team that had flown a reusable rocket and reusable rocket powered aircraft and reusable lunar landers. And I'm like, wait a minute, you you guys can't stop. So I uh, reached out to David Mitchell, fourth generation oil man, uh, entrepreneur, friend of mine, the guy who taught me how to trade stocks. And he's the guy who let me fire my boss to go develop those Navy submarine technologies, right? Well, when these rocket scientists were helping me with that, I saw the company shut down. Uh, I invited him up to the airport and he's looking around. He's like, this is like a museum. These guys have done what is the holy grail in space and that's achieve reusability. And I was like, exactly. He said, you know, we, we got to help these guys. Of course, I spent the last three months developing a business plan uh, to show them how it could work. So I presented that and uh, Exos Aerospace was born. David and I uh, funded it for the first year. And then we went out for private investment uh, to continue that. So there's kind of the origin. Uh, It really fell in my lap where my inspiration for space and some other medical breakthroughs that were happening in space, I thought we could do better and faster.
0: So this might sound like a very um, like noob question or beginner question, but I have to ask. So you you, you get this started, you raise a, a, a little private funding. What's like the first day or first week look like as you're working on Exos? So I ask because like you're building like, at least to me, some, some pretty gnarly technology. But for you, did you already know what you needed to do? You just kind of needed... The funding or how would you know how to spend the first month or two once you got that funding?
1: Well, that goes back to the mission. And our mission isn't just to build and fly low earth orbit capable reusable rockets, but rather to enable other brilliant minds to change the world for the better, okay? The mission is much bigger than us. A couple of examples, uh, rapid space manufacturing of mesenchymal, mesenchymal stem cells or MSCs regenerative treatments have shown phenomenal results in clinical trials on ISS. The problem is it took millions of dollars and like five years to do this. Um, Now this one gets personal. Uh, Dr. Zubair of Mayo Clinic and the Center for Applied Space Technologies put these stem cells up in space. They did clinical trials after that for treating hemorrhagic stroke. And One of Larry Harvey from the Center of Applied Space Technologies, one of his neighbors actually had gone through a hemorrhagic stroke and survived it. It is the number two killer in the world, but he survived, but he was bound to a walker. Um, He had problems. And basically he was homebound from that point on until he went through this stem cell therapy. And today we can't find him because even in a COVID world, he's out there traveling the entire world because he nearly lost his life. And he said, you know what? I always wanted to travel the world. So he's out there. He may be quarantining 14 days in every country he goes to, but he's out traveling the world. Nobody knows where he is. He'll be back one day. But uh, And where it got personal is my dad also had a hemorrhagic stroke. He's in an assisted living facility. He's lost part of his vision. And he's in the running for the next set of clinical trials, number two and three that they're going to run to be involved in that but it's taking way too long. If we were to take an orbital capable vehicle today, we could launch stem cells into space and based on the results they had on the ISS, we could leave them up there for two to three weeks, bring them back and literally treat thousands of patients who have symptoms from a hemorrhagic stroke or consequences of a hemorrhagic stroke. And there's no medicine involved. It's natural stem cells. Regenerative medicine is a thing of the future, and I think we're going to see it more and more Um, treatments for Parkinson's, heart disease, even spinal injuries. I know of a young gentleman in Houston, 19 years old, in a car wreck. His life was destroyed. He came back paralyzed from the neck down. They said, it's inoperable. Can't do anything. They did this MSC stem cell treatments on him, and nine months later, they show him lifting weights. Because the stem cells had restored two zones of control in his spine, so that's what gets me up in the morning: is developing those technologies to make that available. Appreciate
0: you sharing all of that. It, it, you know, the why is kind of what what drives a lot of this show: why 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 founders do what they do. You know, and, and I appreciate you sharing. So, a couple more questions for you. Um, you may not get this a lot because you're so deep into this industry, like you're, you're CEO of a you know a company in it. But I have to ask, are, do you you ever get responses of when you say you're working on this? People are like, oh, space, like is that an industry or like oh, space, like what is there to do there? Like I think a lot of people in 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 you know that aren't in the industry see space as this you know this thing, but they don't see it necessarily as an industry or a market. What do you do to like kind of like help people understand that this is this is a thing and it's growing very quickly? <laughs>
1: It depends how well I know them, Um, but uh, great question. We get it all the time. It's like, why are we spending all these billions and billions of dollars? Why does NASA even exist? And it comes back to, you know, 90% of the time, um, I'll start with this one. You don't wear glasses. And usually it's, you know, someone who uh, may be older when I start with that question, but you don't wear glasses. Well, yeah, I had LASIK and, you know, there are millions of people out there now that have had LASIK. Well, that came out of the space program or I have diabetes and uh, they're on Diabonase or wait a minute, those came out of the space program and I just start sharing with them the different things that have come out of the space program all the way down to their memory foam mattress that they love um, and show them how much space impacts life on earth. And it's not that we're going to space. It's, and I say this often, the earth is a horrible place to make things. It is just horrible. There are contaminants in the air. There's 14.7 pounds of pressure pushing down on anything you make. And we contaminate the environment when we do it. So what if I could take, and you can imagine it, take this pencil, right? You wanted to print this with, I need a darker colored pencil, but you've got a pencil or an object and you want to print this in space. Well, in space, you could literally print this a thousand meters long and it would be a straight rod, right? On earth, what would happen? It'd bow as soon as we got a couple of feet out because of the materials. We just can't do things on earth that we can do in space. And beyond that, going back to the stem cells, our cells inside our body aren't under pressure. Oh, wait, you don't have pressure in space. So now when we start looking at cells and manipulating cells and combining medications and things together in space, it's just like it would happen in our body. And it's kind of hard to uh, have a centrifuge going and a vacuum pulled on that centrifuge and emulate what's inside the body where I mean, we go to space and back in 20 minutes. You can kind of see uh, the re entry here under drogue behind me. And what if you could do in 20 minutes what now takes months? I want to dive a little deeper in, 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 into that a
0: little bit, a little, a little step left in that you mentioned, you know, for someone that's not as educated on this like myself, you know, until recently, um, I, you kind of look at space like, oh, sp- there's Earth and, and, and there's space. And, but you just mentioned, and what I'm kind of learning, I might screw up the words if I do, I apologize, but like lower earth orbit or like, you know, you'll, you'll correct me, but that there's like a part that's like kind of earth, but kind of space. And, and then there's probably a layer after that layer after that, how do you, as a pioneer in the, in, in this industry, you know, building this today, um, like, how do you look at space as a, as a, um, as a place to innovate in? Do you want to innovate like a trillion miles away or is there a part of space that you're kind of aiming for? And how do I even think about that as like an average tech person, but that doesn't have that much knowledge on space?
1: Yeah, so, you know, would you go 130 miles uh, to go to a really great steak restaurant?
0: It depends, I mean, probably.
1: I mean, if it's a great <laughs> I'm steak. I'm buying. Person. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm in. <laughs> All right, so, Here's the International Space Station. It's 130 miles up or 150 miles up, and we can do things there that we can't do anywhere else. Well, I saw that five-year MSC stem cell project that could potentially heal my dad and get him back where he has his life back, and thousands and thousands of others, and I just have to take a 150-mile trip to do it. But instead of millions of dollars, years of planning, five years to get to results, I envision where we can take one of our Jaguar orbital rockets, we can fly to space today, and three weeks later, we re-enter, just like you see behind me in this uh, video, and we land that payload back on Earth, and we send those active stem cells back to the medical facility, and guess what? my dad gets in that next uh, clinical trial in months rather than years. So imagine what we can do when I just show you one, one facet that can change thousands and thousands of lives. But imagine when we realize what we can really do. I mean, no one envisioned walking around with the iPhone. Well, maybe Star Trek kind of had it down, but that was just the communicator. Who imagined having a computer in the palm of your hand that had more mission capability than Apollo did. So this is just a stepping stone to what we'll be able to do. And this is what we know we can do today. So these aren't any new super far reaching technologies. We're just taking what's already been done and providing the service to make it available. And as we like to say, and our trademark term is Exos is making space available. So
0: let's, let's go back to, let's go back to Exos. I appreciate you kind of educating me on, on, on some of these things. I have a couple more questions. Um, and that is, you know, if I was taught, if you were, you know, a, a SaaS founder building a productivity app, and I asked you, what do you spend your average day on? I think I could probably like guess what you spend your time on, but I, I could have no idea. I have no idea what you spend your time on now, because this is such a gnarly type of industry for me. So my <laughs> question for you is, what, do you, what does an average day look like for you? What are you spending your time on? And what's a day in the life of,
1: of a co-founder and CEO of this company? Um, there is no average day. <laughs> okay, so if you look behind me, um, yeah, an average day might look like this, where you've got a rocket hanging from a, from a big crane, and you literally hover the rocket. You say, can I make this thing stand up like a pencil on its rocket engine? And then you come back the next day and you go oh the ACS thrusters weren't quite powerful enough let's make one that's a little more powerful and you're here running locks through these ACS thrusters and testing those out. Um, Or you're building a new valve set and you're like hey we need these valves to cycle faster and uh, not have a problem when they're in freezing conditions like we're going to see in space. So, I'll come in and the guys will be, yep, we're doing that test today. Or, oh, we're going to be uh, launching a nose cone today. And, you know, so it can vary from, you know, working on a single component to you're putting the whole system together. And uh, while that takes a little bit of planning, if it rains, you know, we're not going to go out and do the hover test. So, we do something else. So, yeah, it's, it's a constant variable work environment where things change and we do things different. And uh, we're not afraid to fail, but we believe in failing fast. And if you look behind me, this picture is about to get really dramatic. And uh, Elon prescribed to this, and I believe that's one of the things that let him uh, succeed and move faster than NASA ever did, because it was okay to fail, but it was fail fast. So uh, those are risk mitigation things that we can do. and we can still keep people safe. And particularly in our case, we're not carrying humans, so everything's autonomous. But uh, yeah, it's a exciting job every day and always different. And if you were to take what you're doing you know,
0: every day, zoom out a ton, maybe 10 years, 20 years, as far as you want to look, um, what does what the future you know, look like in a world where, where this is a really big company? I guess in other words, what's the big vision here? And what direction are you rowing in every day?
1: Yeah, so the big vision is ultimately that we're flying rockets every day we're launching them from the air over the ocean, so we don't interfere with uh, air traffic. Because that is already a problem, you know SpaceX said they were launching every day, uh, we would fly millions and millions of miles of extra just to get into Florida, because we'd have to be flying around their zone all the time and we're going to get away from that because we'll be doing air launch of our rockets. So they'll be out over the ocean outside away from the actual physical uh areas that have problems. We'll be sending payloads up literally every day. It'll be treating all different diseases. We won't med- medicine won't be like it is today. And when you think about it, how many people do you think are going to go to space versus how much cargo is going to go to space? Let's say we're just taking a short view and saying we're just going to Moon first, and then we're going to go to Mars and we're going to learn on the Moon so we can go to Mars. Um, how much do you think? How much of the payload in percent do you think is going to be actual human payload? Probably not as much
0: as cargo is my guess. Probably more cargo than humans.
1: <laughs> yeah, we might have a couple of percent. And everyone is looking to uh, make these phenomenal vehicles and nothing against them, but they cost too much. I mean, sixty two and a half million dollars for a Falcon 9 is worlds better than the space shuttle at one point two seven billion a launch. Right. That's that's groundbreaking. But do you need to have a human rated rocket to carry cargo to the moon? Or do we make these autonomous vehicles that we can make less expensive, keep them reusable, and uh, not put the oxygen systems and everything you need to support life on them? Just start sending robots to take cargo. And that's where I see us in literally in 10 years. I see us taking that cargo to space um, as a carrier of non-human payloads. This is awesome. Talking to you makes me
0: just like fit. Like it's like unlocks a whole new frontier for me. And something it's a frontier you think about all the time, but a lot of people don't. Right. And that's one of the fun things about this podcast in order to make this happen, you know, to help you make it happen faster, just help you out. What can the forward thinking founders community do to, to help you out? Are you hiring? Are you raising money? Are you looking for partnerships? How can the listeners assist?
1: Yeah, we really are looking for, um, Strategic partners. We know how to raise capital. We've uh, been pretty successful at that. We've raised $5.7 million uh, from private investors. Great group. I mean, I talk to those guys regularly. We have an insider's page that we actually uh, share almost every week. We've got something out there uh, giving them updates on what's going on with the company. Um, but they're friends and they're investors, but they're not strategic as far as. They're not the ones who are going to tie us in with ULA and Boeing and SpaceX and uh, Air Force. And, you know, we're already doing an Air Force contract, but they're not the ones who are going to say, "Okay, this is the vision of hypersonics and this is how you can help. We need some of that strategic alignment um, and some strategic investors for our current round, which is just really kind of a bridge loan to so we can complete the U.S. Air Force contract that we uh, should be getting the actual contract number this month. According to the Air Force, they may be delayed a little, but we'll see. Um, so it's a bridge loan. It's also to go back and fly our next uh, Sarge rocket, which will be a revision that's up one from the last one to uh, give us greater capabilities and just build on what we learn. Uh, our team is pretty neat. If I had to describe the guys, you know, they uh, wake up in the morning, and they've designed something in the afternoon, they build it uh, in the evening, they test it And the next day, they come back and they work on the iteration, they go back through that design cycle very rapidly. And uh, the engine you see firing behind me here is actually the third of its kind. And in 90 days, uh, it was a little longer cycle than that day. But we designed it in a week, we built it in a week, we tested it for a week, and we iterated the next week. And in 90 days, we had built three complete rocket engines to get the one that uh, is gonna take Sarge 2 to space here, probably in the second quarter.
0: I love the, the quick iteration. You know, it doesn't matter if you're building an iPhone app or rockets, it's kind of, it's kind of all the same, right? Um, now, my last question for you is if someone wants to learn more about what you're doing, they're really excited, they maybe want to partner somehow, you know, how can they find you online? What's your URL? Are you on social media? Can they email you? How can they get in touch?
1: So www.exosero.com. So that's E-X-O-S-A-E-R-O.com. If you want to reach out to us, uh, whether it's the fly payload to, if you're interested in investing, uh, info at Uh, And there's a whole qualification process because it is a private offering. It has to be people we know or direct referrals, things like that. Um, but, we'd love to just talk about space in the future. I could do this all day, but I also have rockets to get built. So um, definitely been great talking to you, Matt. Um, Yeah. Info at exosadro.com to uh, reach out to us. uh, And you'll hear back within a day or two, uh, even on the weekends and it may be 2am, but uh, you know, we're a startup, so we're always working.
0: Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming onto to the podcast and best of luck building this out. Thanks for coming on.